This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights... You're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Kevin Graham, Paul Cobb, if a wee bit surprised, they'll be saying, you've got to do the intro, Wednesday is your day. I just thought with the gaffer being, having the controls, he would have done the intro. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind Bulletin on a Wednesday. My name's Kevin Graham and I'm joined by Paul John Dykes. Paul, what's happening? Well, I, I'm gate crashing, Kev, that's why you're... You're hosting, I'm gatecrashing. There's a lot happening, even though it's pre-season, and obviously Axon will continue to give you your one-hour, bite-size topics of discussion every day, every weekday anyway, 
until the football starts up again. Um, and there's always something to, to discuss. But today is a special day, Kev. It's a special day in the calendar. We need to celebrate that. And it is Scotland's greatest sporting achievement. Bar none. Bar absolutely none. Celtic winning the European Cup in 1967. And um, I love all the different retakes you get on it over the years. Uh, you know, Pat Woods was one of these guys that always used to say that um, Celtic's history is never complete. There's always new things to discover. And I totally agree with that. And uh, you're always discovering new things about even that Lisbon run. So we'll be talking about that, but we'll also be talking about everything in the world of Celtic, what's happening, the gossip, um, the priorities, and everything else in between, Kev. So uh, you are going to regale us with a wee poem at some point as well on Lisbon. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, two things I want to bring up first and foremost, all positive, big shout-outs. The first one is to the Patrick... Sarsfield CSC based out of Limerick who today are celebrating their 25th anniversary that's that's tremendous that's a great achievement I know that you've been involved in CSCs for many many years Kev what an achievement to be running a Celtic supporters club for 25 years definitely and especially over the last couple of years um, when CSCs are like falling by the wayside and even even going into next season as well. I mean, you've got this cost of living, the price of petrol and stuff like that and it's no going to be like clubs can't run supporters buses because they haven't got the numbers, they need to join together, they need to share and they run a supporter club for 25 years is unbelievable. And uh, I well done to the lads, I know how much hard work it is to run a CSC. It is like herding feral cats at times, and nobody agrees. Uh, one person will tell you it's Saturday, another person will tell you it's Friday. That's the way CSCs run. Uh, so I, fair play to the lads, and good luck for the next 25 years. Absolutely. And again, another opportunity uh, for a big shout out to everybody who comes over for the games from Aye. Ireland. And uh, the, the level of commitment is unbelievable uh, to get over to watch Celtic. Mm. The other big shout out is from, uh, or for rather, the Ardoin Boys. I've shared a few images in the Axon WhatsApp group. The Ardoin Boys sent us a truly magnificent gift. It arrived this morning in the studio and... You know, it's a humbling, it's a humbling moment when you get this random act of kindness, Kev, from someone who thinks, you know what, these guys, um, what they're doing, I appreciate it, and I'm going to show my appreciation by sending a wee gift. So thank you, the Ardoin boys, and uh, hopefully at some point today, I'll put some pictures up on social media just to share that positivity with everyone who tunes into a Celtic state of mind, everybody who follows us on the social media channels, and if you are watching on YouTube, get yourself subscribing. We're going to be talking about uh, David Turnbull, James Forrest, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Jota, and other matters before we get on to the Lisbon Lions, Kev. And I want to start off by talking about Jamesy Forrest. There was a wee bit of discussion recently around those Celtic players going into the last years of their contracts, and I was asking the question, who do we keep, who do we let go? And most of the contributors were on their fence with Jamesy Forrest. He got a new contract. Ian McCall reckons that his wee brother's a better player. Um, it just shows you that it's incredible that people get to that level uh, and with that level of experience in football management uh, and they still come away with absolute nonsense, nonsense like that. Now, 
Alan's a good player, don't get me wrong, but look at the absolute wealth of success that James Forrest has had. And he's still doing it, Kev. I know last season and the season before weren't his best, but he's still playing at the, the highest level in Scottish football. He's still only 31. He's heading towards playing 500 games for Celtic. Next season's his 14th season. But my question for you and everybody else in the comments section, where does he fit in next season? What is his role in Ange Postacoglu's team next year? It's very... Look, Jamesy had a difficult season this season. And uh, I understand everybody's shouts. Why did we give him a, a, a two-year extension? I mean, because it is a two-year extension. And for me, I'm not surprised that he got an extension. Um, the conversation that he was going to have with Celtic was completely different for the conversation that Neil Beaton and Tom Rogic were having with Celtic. I mean, the conversation James Forrest having with Celtic is, look, James, you are going to be a squad player, you're maybe going to be a fringe player, we are going to call on you and we're going to restructure your deal so you get a lower basic wage and a higher appearance fee. Mm. And and James Forrest, it's an easy conversation for James Forrest to have because what is his other option? What what is his, what would his other option be? Aberdeen, Hibs, somewhere like that. Maybe a wee shout down. Maybe a a, a wee trip to Fleetwood with Scott Brown. He's only thirty. He's still going to say that he can contribute. The conversation that you're having with Neil Beaton and Tom Rogic is completely different. Mm. You're offering them the same deal. You're going like that to them. By the way, these are going to be fringe players going forward. We are we are evolving the squad. Uh, we're going to restructure your deal. It's going to be higher bonus fees. While they two guys are sitting there knowing they can get a last big massive payday somewhere else. One last big contract for them to sign. James Huddy's last big contract when, when Brendan Rodgers gave him the deal, which is just mm. ending. Mm. Uh, no remember when he was in the last three, four months his deal when Brendan Rodgers gave, gave him that side where does he fit in next year it depends how fit he is it really does depend how fit he is and we are going to need our whole squad next season Alan Morrison done a great done, done a great um, article where he says we still used a small core even though we used 40 players overall it was still a small core of players that we actually that he relied on week in week out, yeah. And we're going to need if you if you look at the how uh, the fixtures next season, right? I mean, I think there's only weeks between Champions League games because we're going into a stupid uh, Winter World Cup. We it's going to be a hard shift for the squad that we've got, mm-hmm. and a fit James Forrest can contribute. What I can say is when he came back to fitness towards the end of the season there, especially the game against Dundee United at Tannadice, he was ranked rotten. I mean, me and Kevin McCluskey in the, in the pre-game was bumming up, saying this could be this could be the game where he shows us what they offer. But at the time it got to half-time, I can't remember who it was in the comments, asked me, would you still give James Forrest an extended contract? I says, I wouldn't give him the setting half. Never, never mind an extended contract. Uh, but look, I didn't like saying you've got to trust Postacoglu, but we do. We've, we've got we've, we've got to actually say Postacoglu's seen enough in James Forrest to have him hanging around. And also, let's not forget, we've lost two guys with 18 years' experience at Celtic yes. this summer. Mm-hmm. 
and James has been there through the academy and that as well. James Forrest can still do a job for Celtic. Look at his goal against Livingston. But is it a fit James Forrest that we're going to get? That's that's a big question. Well, Scott Howe comes in. I won't write any player off that Anne thinks is good enough. And on that question, is it a, a fit James Forrest? I think the concerns that if a lot of people had over the last two years is that James Forrest had become injury-prone. And that was based largely on the last two seasons, Kevin, right? So two points. If he was, I don't think he'd have got an, uh, a new contract. So I think Scott's right. You know, Ange Postecoglou has seen him day in, day out. If there was any real concerns about the long-term kind of fitness issues or injury issues that James Forrest may or may not have, I don't think he'd have got the contract. And then secondly, uh, what I would also say about uh, that performance against London United, and this goes on a conversation I just had, and I'll come back to this, I think if you've been out the team for a while, then that's understandable. And I think that even Tony Ralston, who really set a high, high bar when it came to his level of performance last season, remember when he came in after a wee while, was it against Motherwell away? And he was rank rotten. And he's a guy that, you know, we had seen week in, week out, who was on point. You know, you, you were getting the same kind of level of performance from Tony Ralston every week, Kev. But he was out the team for a bit. And when he came back in, he was completely off it. And I just think it takes a while for these players to get back up to speed. Well, Paul, I was lucky enough. Let's have the first name drop at 10 minutes in. I was lucky enough one day to be in your car with George Connor. And we're mm. going to speak about George later on, man. And we're talking about Lisbon and post-Lisbon and stuff like that. And George Connolly says, in the 1960s and 70s, if you came back for injury, it took you six games to get up to speed, mm. match speed. What's that today? Is that longer today because of the the how they get when I mean, you're talking about their athletes now they are elite level athletes so does that take longer today or is it still six games? I mean, That's if a great, he's saying it's a great it's six, question. If he's saying it's six games now, my, my the way my mind sort of works would say well it's got to be more now because the game's far faster and fitter to get. I, I think up, about up. the treadmill. I think about the treadmill, Kev. You know, like if you're on it and you're putting the, the volume up and up at the volume, you're putting the pace up and up and up. Try to get on that at the, at the top pace is difficult, but building mm-hmm. up to it is, is no easy, but it's a lot more manageable. And I think that a player like Forrest or any player, Ralston was the other example I used. It, I mean, I don't think it took them half a dozen games to get back up to speed. I think Ralston was back up to speed. After that one bad performance, he was back to his usual. So it's an, it's an interesting take, and I guess we'd need to ask somebody who's involved in the modern game as to how long they expect a player to get back up to speed. Aye, because I can only go with what George says there. Mm. And what, what, what you've got to actually look at is, well, Ange Postacoglu is not a dummy. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. So James Forrest must be keeping up with the younger ones in training. He must be sharp enough in training because we, we keep on hearing that the training is so and so intensive that it's almost replicating match match sharpness in actual training. So he must be keeping up with that. He must be shown enough. 
Um, and so we can't write anybody off. I think Anthony Ralston's proof that yeah. we can't write absolutely anybody off. There's a reason that all these players are at Celtic Football Club. There is a reason. And it's not because they're rubbish at football. And that goes with the ones that we're talking about leaving as well. They're there for a reason. There's a reason that James has been there since he's been eight years old. And it's not because he's rubbish at football. No, and no, and, 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 we've, and we've got to actually remember that at times. Um, he can offer something. He can offer something. But as you say, how long does it get him to get up to speed? He's got a full pre-season. They've actually got a break this pre-season as well. I mean, it's going to be one of the longest pre-seasons ever. That is, he's probably ever faced, truthfully, when you actually think about his professional career mm-hmm. at Celtic, because usually it's like two, three weeks and they're back into it. Eh? So that might do him good. Um, I'm sure he looks after himself. And let, let, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to say that he will contribute in certain games. He will contribute in certain, certain games because we are going to need a squad. And everybody's and everybody's going to need to be up for it. No, absolutely. Now, Alan Robertson, James Forrest for backup and experienced decent SPL FL player. What I would say about that on the on the the level in terms of obviously we're looking at the European Cup uh, winners of nineteen sixty seven today. We're looking ahead to the Champions League campaign next season. Kev, I'm not so sure I'd write him off because if you look at just even last season's uh, European campaign. And Amy and I started tapping into that on Monday. James Forrest was pivotal to the early rounds, absolutely pivotal. Mm-hmm. And then later on, and in particular against Leverkusen, it was away from home, he was massive in that game. And I think it's easy to forget that he did have a, a, a telling contribution to the European exploits last season, if you want to now call it last season. Um, so I'm not, I'm not quite ready yet to say that he is, and I'm, I'm saying only. Um, a domestic player. I think that he can contribute even when we're playing on the European stage. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes it's easy to forget that he did contribute and he contributed a great deal last season in Europe. He did. And there's also a thing, I mean, I'm probably, in my head, I'm seeing him as a sub coming on in in a lot of these games and where it's a game management situation and you're going, right, James, you're coming on to settle everybody else down use your experience to like take them off for a walk do certain things and stuff like that and that that's invaluable as well mm-hmm. uh, and as you say he has got a lot of European experience and we haven't got let's, let's be truthful here we haven't got a lot of Champions League experience in that squad even Cal McGregor hasn't got that much Champions League experience uh, James has uh, and but it is a number of years ago now uh, near beat on had he's left as well, so there's hardly Joe Hart. Joe Hart's got Champions League experience, but not with Celtic. Mm-hmm. He's yet to experience the utter beautiful madness which is Celtic Park on, on, a, on a Champions League night as well. So there's not a lot of Champions League experience in that squad, and that's something that James and J- James will need to step up to the plate to actually do. But as you say. If we go back to when Forrest got this contract extension, no, the one there, the one previously, where towards the end of Ronnie Dyler's era, there wasn't the money I was wanting him to stay. There wasn't any big fanfare to actually keep him. And Ronnie Dyler saved his Celtic, no, Ronnie Dyler, Brendan Rodgers saved his Celtic career. Mm-hmm. He became a pivotal player under Rodgers. 
and that's something we just can't throw in a skip. No, you cannot. And uh, Ian McAleer comes in to say thanks for getting involved, Ian. James is a one-club man. That, I guess, part of the deal will mean that he gets a testimonial as well, um, which I think quite interesting because I always... Did he have a book as well? Did he get a book when he signed the last contract? That was part of the yeah, he's already had the book out and um, the interesting thing in that book was he was saying he wasn't quite sure even to this day, even though he had uh, coached him as a youth and a, as as a senior player, he wasn't quite sure if Neil Lennon rated him as a footballer all these years later but uh, James E. Forrest gets my vote I know that um, he has divided opinion over the last few months but I think he's going to be very important as we go into next season's uh, Champions League campaign and that feels absolutely great to say that. It is a Champions League campaign we are going into. What I would like to clarify about Forrest though, Paul, if he is a starter in the Champions League, then we're in trouble. Well. That, that's like, if that's if that's a level of player that they're looking at to play in the Champions League, then there's, there's we are a, a, a wee bit of baller there. You know, when you look at the the introduction of Juranovic at right back and we, we kind of universally agreed, right, that, that's upped everything quite a substantial level and what you've got there is a solid backup in Ralston. And then the conversation went on to, right, we need that in every position. And I think that, and we'll get on to Jota, if you, if you bring in Jota on a permanent deal, what you've got on your left and your right is you've got Jota and Maeda, you've got Forrest and Abada, and you've got a couple of them who can switch from left to right. Forrest can play left, Jota can play right, and so forth. And I just think that if you've got the four of them, Kev, you've got a situation on the left and the right, uh, similar to the situation you've got at right back, where you've really got that cover. So would he be your first pick? I guess it depends. I mean, the last few games of the season, Abada was out the, the start in 11, wasn't he? So was, You're playing But I, I don't know, Kev. I, I, I think that... He, he does have the experience, and often the experience can be massive in the European games. You look at some of the lineups for some of the, the recent European successes we've had, and sometimes it's surprising who's playing for Celtic. You know, I use the Barcelona example Miku, Kelvin Wilson um, are playing. They start for Celtic on the night we beat Barcelona. And, you know, Forrest, I think his experience will be invaluable at times next season and in Europe as well. What what I was maybe getting at there, and, and I wasn't there a slight at James Forrest. I mean, I've just backed, I've just bummed up his absolute experience and stuff like that, and it, and it's no a go at a bad either. I think we will bring in another right winger who is of a higher standard to what we've got on the left hand side. I do think that a right winger is something where we'll look. Where will that where will that leave a badder? Is, is he a first try? I just I think of the season he's had. And I think that going into next next year, um, after the pre-season, galvanised by the success that we've had, he would be a first pick on paper. Uh, we know it doesn't always work like that, Kev, because form, injuries, that all injuries, comes into the, yeah. into the melting pot. Um, but everybody seems to, I think, by this stage, have um, acclimatised to Angie's training regime, the tempo, the intensity that you were talking about earlier. And I, I reckon he would be a first choice with James as a, as a backup, I think Dembele looks as though he's on his way out, probably in a matter of days, which is quite sad. Um, but you reckon we still need another another body on the right, even though Jota can switch from left to right if necessary? 
I, I do I think that we need a body on the right? No, I like a badder. I do like a badder, but I do feel that the management will probably want to bring in a body on the right hand side. I just mm. get that. I just get that sort of vibe. See that's, when we're talking uh, about like... we're talking about Jota, and we will talk about him because obviously there's loads of discussions uh, in the news about whether or not he's going to sign permanently. You've got Jota, you've got Cameron Carter Vickers. We'll talk about the pair of them. Uh, I think Amy brought up a point the other day about his form improving. You know, there was some discussion on Axom about his form taking a wee dip. And it could well be, I don't know if it was a coincidence, Maeda comes in in January. And it's almost as if Jota's form picks up. You know, because he's got somebody breathing down his neck. I don't think Johnston ever did that. Johnston was never a threat, was he, to Jota? Um, so, you know, make that move permanent and then you'll have that balance both left and right. I would say we are probably more needful of a backup on the left-hand side than on the right. But that's just, you know, that's an argument, I guess, for another day. Um, I mean, I mean, let's have a look at it. You look at where Ange makes the substitutions. He likes make changing the front three after 60-odd mm-hmm. minutes. The amount of games that we are going to play next season, are we right in saying, I reckon there is going to be a lot of rotation next mm-hmm. season. Maybe not in the defensive positions because he doesn't seem to like to do that. But us trying to say who's first choice, who's first, who's second choice could be mute because the amount of rotation because of the physicality demanded by the squad is going to bring. So yeah. I, I, that's how I reckon, that's how I think that they're probably looking at another right winger. The, the left winger situation, I, I, I don't know about that. If you're spending six and a half million quid on Yota, my worry, well, if you're spending six and a half million quid on Yota, I think they'll be looking at, well, we need to cover, that's the left-hand side cover, we need to actually look at the right for whatever funds that we've got left. Well, talking of funds then, right, Jota, six and a half is the mooted fee. I think Carter Vickers, they're looking at six million quid. We want both of these deals to be wrapped up. I don't think, let me know if you disagree in the comment section. I don't think there's many Celtic fans who wouldn't like both of those deals to be wrapped up, Kev, right? So there's £12.5 million as an outlay just on transfer fees. Um, how many other players on top of that do we need? And I, I would maybe say four or five. And and then you start thinking, well, how many of those players are going to be in that category where I don't think we've got lucky. I think we've been very, very shrewd uh, when it comes to recruitment where you're picking up players like Matt O'Reilly for one and a half and, you know, half a dozen players for under two million quid. I don't expect that to happen, Kev. I don't think we're going to be getting that kind of value for money. So, I mean, even Juranovic at 2.7. So if you're bringing in another four players for three million pound plus, you know, then you're looking at an outlay there touching 30, 30 million. Um, and with the players that are leaving because there's not going to be big name departures like we had last year with Ayer and Christie and Edward, we're not going to have that situation right, the players that are leaving are going to be bringing in nominal fees, if any fees at all, some of them will be loaned out Um, so I guess the question is are the board going to be willing to, you know, actually lay out that amount of cash for, for next season, I hope they are because I think it's needed that's that's your fear, eh? That is your fear. If Carter Vickers signs and if Yota signs, and we've already signed Maeda permanently, but even though I think that cash was already somewhere in the electronic transfer world ether, I mean, that's 14 million quid. Right, I can't mm-hmm. we're not going to pay the 14 million pound up front and 
Spurs might be Spurs with us. I'm, I'm a bit worried that Spurs become Spurs and just go like that. Well, you need to pay us a six and a half up front and that goes up to 10 million depending on Champions League appearances, this and this and this, because they know full well that there's clubs in England which will give them 10 million pounds straight off the bat. And they know that, uh, that they know that's going to happen. So I'm a bit worried about Cameron Carter-Vickers uh, just because Spurs could be Spurs regarding it and Celtic could be Celtic regarding it and go, no, we're not giving you that. And it could never the twain shall meet. Um, but £14 million, when's many seasons that we spent 14 mo- more than £14 million? And it's in, the, it's in the one window. I mean, I know Aye. that last season, if you look at it, we, we re, I think we brought in 34, we, we shelled out 24, um, and we made 10 million quid on it, Kev. But what we're saying here is we're not going to have that, that luxury of, you know, selling big-name players as we did last year. But my argument would be we don't have to. I mean, we qualify for the Champions League here. Um, you know, it's a very successful financial year if you want to start talking about figures. Then you then look at uh, some of the sell-ons that we've got, and this is something we brought up a few times. We don't know if players like Tierney are going to be moving on or uh, Moussa Dembele or Jeremy Frimpong. There's a lot of chat around these guys moving on, and we've got sell-ons for all these players. And that could bring in more money to the coffers. But the very fact that we're even talking about it concerns me a wee bit because it means that there is a wee niggling doubt in there, Kev, that maybe the board don't want to. Because there's the best part of £15 million for the two players, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Jota. And if I bring up uh, John Sweeney, for example, and everybody will have a different opinion on this, but Johnny reckons we need a backup goalie, a left-back, centre midfielder, and a right-winger, and a striker. And there's five players. Now, even at our shrewdest in the transfer market, that's another £15 million quid. You know, and, th- and this and is where it, this is where it starts to get to that point where you think, if, if, as you say, if you look at the business model that we've got, Paul, over the last fifteen twenty years, it's been well. We've got a we've got a small budget. Say it's usually about eight nine million pound. Then whatever we sell, we buy. So we always try to break even. But as you say, if out selling one of our big stars, we haven't got a hell of a lot of money above that 14 million mm. to actually spend the Celtic board go right and see once you've brought in the guys it's up to what you sell you need to actually start selling guys before we actually do something else I mean we all know the big rumour is that the reason that uh, our CEO that nobody seems to talk about anymore at the start of last season was bulleted was because he said he wanted to sign Juranovic or he, he just or, went or, he did, or he did, <laughs> he did just go out and sign Juranovic and went the manager wants him and he was told in quite uncertain terms this is not the way this works <laughs> and at this football club I was, I, was, I was trying to think of a Star Wars quote there uh, these droids are not the droids you're looking for that was a quote but it didn't quite work actually sorry um, but uh, if you know what I mean eh? so that was a rumour that the reason that he got bulleted, bulleted because what are you doing signing him well, they got the money to do that I know thank, it's thank, like, God, thank God he did sign them uh, uh, exactly it was a great uh, bit of business but as you say I think it, it got people a wee bit twitchy uh, back at base didn't it aye doing the deal aye so it's, it's a worry it is a worry, and, and I think I've got a right to be worried based on previous windows. Can I just uh, say, though, okay, if this isn't us being negative, we're, we're, no, we're just... raising some real concerns here, and we're hoping that we do push it out. As Daniel F says, we're going into the Champions League, we need to start acting like a big club. We need to get our big boy pants on. 
Yep. We need to actually start by a steady, steady all this rubbish stop saying it happened as soon as we won the league. We're a Champions League club. This is mm-hmm. where this club deserves deserves to be. Well, start behaving like it. Just come out and start behaving like it. That have we ever done it? Have have ever, no, have we? Weak, man. We've never done it. Never done it. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And and it, you know, the, the frustration, I guess, as well, is that level of investment in, in players like Ajete and Barkas and Julian, all, all of whom and more might leave the club. But it's the pittance we're going to get for them, Kev. I mean, it's been a. I know it's something that's been inherited by Ange. Absolutely, it's been inherited by Michael Nicholson, by you know, to to some degree as well. It's a legacy issue from a regime that's changed. You know, in terms of the CEO and the manager, anyway. Um, I mean, what we're actually saying, no saying as well, Paul. We didn't want like a lot of guys say that it's easy for fans to say spend, 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 and that's not what we're actually. It's, talking about because there's a certain level of player that will come to Scottish football and there's a certain level of player that if you try to, if you spend £11 million on a player, he wants £11 million player wages and the club can't pay that just because of the, the economics of the, the Scottish game. We are wanting smart recruitment, we are wanting modern recruitment and we want the board to actually back that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just spending £15 million on a centre-forward. That, that's no, that's no, that's no what we're asking for. We're asking no. for the club to behave like a Champions League club, and show that they're having ambitions to compete in the Champions League. Yeah, you you think about these two players we're talking about, Cameron Carter-Vickers, right? So have have a, a very brief look at what he's done this season: forty-five games, four goals, one assist, the most games he's ever played in the senior season of football we're his 8th club 7th loan deal I've called him nomadic um, and it looks as though he's found a home he's back in the America squad the national team for the first time in 3 years Kev so it's been noticed his progress at Celtic isn't stopping him from getting international recognition Everton are interested Bournemouth Fulham these clubs will throw 10 million quid at a player like Carter Vickers in a heartbeat like we said before but you've then got to look at things like every senior honour that he's ever had has been at Celtic. 
You know, he's played more games for Celtic. He's got back into the international squad whilst playing for Celtic. And um, I wanted to bring this up because you got the klaxon in pretty early for your name drop, Kevin. I'm going to do it now. Sorry in advance. But uh, we were having a chat with Chalky yesterday. The one and only Brian McClear. Now, if you've ever... But not not for the podcast, I just said the catch-up. If you've ever... Um, watched the Brian McClear podcast that we've done previously, Kev, you'll know that he is one of the funniest guys in the world. But he is so knowledgeable. You know, you don't work for that length of time under Alex Ferguson in the academy at Old Trafford. This is after his playing career's over. You don't get that lofty position in the SFA that eventually didn't suit him when he left um, if you don't know a thing or two about football. So we were chatting away about last season. And uh, I, I says to him, I goes, oh, you know, quite a few people have said on the on Axom, and I don't think it's the contributors, I think it's maybe the commenters have said, oh, Carter Vickers reminds us of Paul McGrath. And McClare just shook his head and says, nah, don't utter those two uh, names in the same sentence, Paul. Paul McGrath was a world-class footballer. And I'm saying, you know, but aye, yeah, maybe it's just the, the way he kind of goes about his business. He's got that kind of look about him in terms of this, the pace. He's always kind of relaxed. He's quite cool on the ball. Um, but yeah, I think that Carter Vickers, and then you look at Jota, the flair, um, and the hair, uh, he covers both wings 40 games more than any other senior season of football that he's ever played. 13 goals, 14 assists. And I think that for a player who had a massive um, release clause in his contract at Benfica, something remarkable. It was like the Ryan Gold thing when he signs for Sport in Lisbon. What was it? 40, 50 million quid. There, there was a release clause in Jota's contract, wasn't there? Celtic are getting mm. first refusal for six and a half. And in the early part of his career, Real Madrid tried to sign him. Real Madrid were interested in this player when he was at Benfica. And I think his senior career flattered to deceive a wee bit. It's never really kicked on, Kev, until he comes to Celtic. Mm. Now, if these two names were being linked to Celtic right now and we didn't know what we knew about them, we hadn't seen them for a whole season, I would think this was a big risk. 14 million quid, 13, 14 million pounds to sign these two guys. But we've, we've basically, you know, it's try before you buy. We know what they're capable of. Uh, they're already part of this squad and it looks as though they're popular members of the squad. They know how Ange works. Ange knows how they work. So I, I think it's a low risk. Even though the money's high, I think it's a low risk for the club to bring these two guys in. I do think it's a low risk as well. I agree with you because they're not going to decrease in value. And that is something which I hate the fact it will be considered in the background as well when these when, when these guys are factoring in, uh, whether we should sign these players or not. Um, we, 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 if they come in and even... Uh, if, if they come in and like keep to the same levels that they've been at this year we're getting our money back we're getting our money back as we as well so well, on top of the fee you mean on top of the fee I we, we're, we're getting our money back so as you say it's a low risk the two guys are great uh, look like they've been great additions to the squad as well and we know what they can do and we know that there's room for improvement in both of them and I think Ange Postacoglu says that as well. Uh, Kevin Goldie, what do I mean by Spurs being Spurs? Well, Spurs have got a kind of reputation under Daniel Levy of being hard uh, bargain drivers, mm. trying to trying to squeeze out every last penny from anybody that does business with them. 
And what I sort of meant was Celtic will try and offer them X amount and they'll, they'll haggle about the bonuses. And Spurs and Daniel Levy will know full well that they have a full on a Bournemouth or a Newcastle who will be willing to give them that money in one lump sum. And that's what I mean by Spurs could end up being Spurs. Yeah, and there's another wee point, uh, Alan. McClare probably hasn't watched Celtic this season, so I take his opinion with a pinch of salt regardless. Brian McClare's a Celtic season ticket holder. And that isn't a comp. That's like you and I buying a Celtic season ticket and going to the games. So he does go um, and he does watch the Hoops play. And so I do take his opinion. And, and the fact that... He's got that knowledge and that experience of football, Kev. So I do take his opinion. I mean, we spoke to him back in uh, a couple of years back in Glasgow, and it was quite clear that he knew what he was talking about. He knew football. Oh, I, I, I definitely. Mean, he does know football. He, he he didn't become the head of Man United's academy if you if you didn't know like how to kick a ball. <laughs> if you didn't know if you can't spot how a player, he didn't have the career that he has if he didn't know about football either. Eh? He didn't last at Man United for as long as what he did, if, if he don't know anything about football whatsoever. I mean, he did, actually say, he did actually say to me once that Scott McTominay wasn't a midfielder, he was a centre-half. That's yet to be proved, though McTominay has had a couple of decent games for Scotland as centre-half. I won't yeah, give him that. I will give mm. him that. No, uh, Jota and Carter Vickers on permanent deals, three more permanent signings and two or three loans would be a good window. The reason I'm bringing this up is... Is it an option, Kev? I, I mean, the the previous commenter reckoned we needed another five on top of um, the two mentioned. In fact, that would have included the two mentioned because he did say a centre-half and a right-winger. But if we need three on top of Carter Vickers and Jota, do we try and use a loan market again? Because let's be honest, it's worked for us this season. The three loanees, we all desperately want all three of them to stay. One of them's already signed. We knew that was a given. The other two, we want them to stay. Have we learned how to use the loan market better? Is that something that we might do in transfer window one this season with more permanent deals happening in the second transfer window? Is that something that would appease us as fans? Again, I mean, Noel's talking about you've got Yota, Carter, Vickers and, and Maeda, that's three. Then another three permanent players on top of that. So you're bringing in three brand new players to the club mm-hmm. as first teamers. Then another two to three loan deals on top of that. I don't think the club will be looking at bringing in that many. Mm. Uh, if they do bring in that many, it will be because they've managed to get quite a few of the, the wage bill and out the door. I think what you're looking at, I think you're only looking at the free. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Like, Jota, Carter, Vickers, and Maeda, and two more. Two permanent more. Permanent. And, and, we'll, and we'll maybe use the loan market 
to cover any gaps of anybody that leaves. That, that's, that's what I'm thinking anyway. Andrew Allen brings up a good point as well, Paul. We didn't ken how the balance sheet works. Uh, Jota and CCV are covered by the player outgoings last year. That could be the case. It could be the case that the board have went, right, we've got that money, we've got that surplus for the players that we sold last year. It doesn't affect our budget going forward. We, we didn't know. And, but I hope that is the way they think, Kev, because, I mean, like like uh, Gerard says, was it Gerard? Um, like like the commenter said, £10 million profit on transfer fees alone last season. So I hope that the board do look upon it like that, Kev. I mean, you, 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 look at, you look at Posta Coglu as well, what he says in that Stan Sports interviews. He says, it's my job to improve the players that are already here as well. Mm-hmm. So, so has I he think... given up on a few of the guys we're talking about? I reckon there's half a dozen that are on their way out. First team, first team squad players, Barkas, Ayeti. I mean, are these guys, has he seen enough of them and he knows that regardless of how good a, a coach that he is and a man manager that, that he is, that there are some people, Kev, you can't turn around? There are some of them there that you would say they're just in their own club. Mm-hmm. And they need, to, they need to move on for the sake of themselves. I think Barkas and Ball and Golly are the two obvious ones. Sorrow closely, uh, close, close, just behind them. I don't know, I still think Ayeti could actually fit. And Interesting. Somebody Coglu else said that. Yeah. And supposed to call the system. I still think Ayeti will get pre-season to actually mm. show that he can that, that he can contribute because still only twenty-five, Kev. Still only twenty-five. And he has got, got time on his side. I mean, maybe that was when we should have went. Maybe that was when we should have used the loan deal more to our advantage. Yeah? Mm, rather, than, I, rather than paying five million up front for him, didn't West Ham play hardball with us? I think on that deal we wanted him on loan, didn't we? A jetty. Um, let's talk about Lisbon. Sorry, Andrew, it was yourself that brought up that other point, not Gerald. Eleven Scotsmen go and lift the biggest trophy in football, and every other trophy played got that year. Yes, five trophies won that year, including the Glasgow Cup. Kev, it is the team that rolls off the tongue. Everybody knows it. Simpson, Craig, Gemmell, Murdoch, McNeil, Clark, Johnson, Wallace, Chalmers, Alden, Lennox. We know that there, there were a few other players involved in the run, such as John Fallon and Charlie Gallagher, John Hughes, Joe McBride, etc. Um, but they are known collectively as the Lisbon Lions. And today marks 55 years since that afternoon in Lisbon, um, which is a great book on, on the whole run by Kevin McCarra and Pat Woods. One of the finest books, actually, on Lisbon. If you've not got it, you'll pick up a copy on eBay or Amazon for a couple of quid. Brilliant. Some great insight, because I think what they did, Kev, is they did a lot of brand new interviews. That's what I like in a book. You know, you're writing about something, everybody knows what happened, everybody's read the papers. Go out and interview the guys yourself and get something new. Get a recollection that, you know, you might be able to draw out of them. And that's what Kevin McCarra and Pat Woods did for that book, One Afternoon in Lisbon. But we want to talk about Lisbon, Kev. I think you're going to um, start by giving us a wee bit of your old poetry. Yes. Aye, this is a, this is a poem uh, just called Lisbon, <laughs> strangely enough, because I couldn't, give, I couldn't think he had a different name to give it. So this is called Lisbon. I need to adjust my glasses. As the clock... Turns from 66 to 67, a song stirs into life, calling on the spirit of the Lisbon Tunnel, where we Betty sings at the Celtic song, a symphony that wasn't going to be left unfinished or bittersweet, a final chapter 
to be written. Lisbon would no longer just be a name on a map. It would be an artery from the club's heart, a golden day at the start of our day, the most important growth ring in our tree. Out of the tunnel to become heroes, playing pure, beautiful, inventive football, creating a legacy so real that it's all around wearing hoops, the famous green and white. The modern day Celtic created on that final whistle, becoming an immortalised fairy tale spoken about in the present that we have celebrated in bronze and is as solid as Brother Walford's foundation. Two breaths more important than our next win, defeat or draw. That day, the 25th of May, pumps the blood of the club today, tomorrow and forever. Bravo, Kevin Graham, the podcasting poet. Kevin will be appearing at uh, a few events, actually, which we'll talk about a wee bit later on, Kev. But I've used um, this share screen over the last few weeks. It's great because you can bring up old uh, comments that we've made on previous shows that turned out to be absolute nonsense, Kev. Um, but I'm not going to use it for that today. I'm going to use it for something else. What I love is this. I absolutely love this, right? Have a wee look at that. Now, what you're looking at here is a picture of Billy McNeil's football boots as he's shaking the hand and exchanging penance with the captain of Inter Milan before the European Cup final in 1967. Now, you'll notice the son a wee bit unusual. Yeah, he's got white laces, of course he does. But also, those three stripes, those Adidas stripes, don't really look consistent on the boots there, Kev. And that would be because they were painted on the boots by Neely Mocking and a tin of white paint. Now, if you look a wee bit closer, I love this story, right? If you look a wee bit closer in here, you can actually see the Puma sign, right, running from the back of the boot there, Kev. You see it on the, in the Aye. sunshine? Aye. And what they did is they polished over the Puma sign and Neely Mocking had a wee tinny white paint. Look at the state of these boots. And he's painted the three Adidas stripes on the boots. This is for Kevin Graham, a European Cup final. Now, I got wind of this story when I read One Afternoon in Lisbon by Kevin McCarran and Pat Woods all those years ago. I think that book came out in the centenary years. There was a whole kind of plethora of books came out in the centenary year. And, and a lot of them were about the centenary year, a lot of them were about the past. But these boots, uh, what basically happened is Jim Craig's getting interviewed by Kevin McCarran. He tells a story that uh, Celtic players were offered 30 quid to wear Adidas. So Adidas wanted Celtic players to be wearing Adidas boots on the biggest stage of European football, Kev, right? So they get 30 quid for that. Uh, however, when you've been wearing the same boots all year, you know, it's like an old pair of baffies, right? So your feet kind of like mould into the shape of them and they're comfortable. And the players were like, well, we don't want to like swap. So I think John Clark had uh, Pumas, I think. Um Billy McNeil certainly had them, and Jim Craig had them. And then the night before the game, Kev, Neely Mocking, the kit man, the Celtic legend, trainer, kit man, player, scored a double in the 7-1 game, scored in the Coronation Cup final, done it all. He's running around the player's room, and he's polishing off the Puma, and he's painting on the stripes. And Jim Craig famously said, I wonder if Inter Milan are dealing with this kind of nonsense, right? I mean, look at the boots, mate. <laughs> That's Billy McNeil's boots. On the day of the European Cup final, with the fake Adidas stripes. 
it's it's glorious. It is absolutely glorious, and maybe sums up the whole fairy tale of that team. That Mm -hmm. they had to do something like that. What I always like is, um, I'll come back to it. Big Jocks Adidas bag that you see them going on the plane with. And whoever, I really hope somebody's got that bag somewhere because it'll be worth a fortune. But that started a trend, Paul. That did start a trend because Matthias Sammer has got a set of football boots in the Football Museum in Manchester. And when he he was playing for Borussia Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund signed an, an exclusive deal with Nike. And Sammer refused to know where his Adidas boots right. and he sewed the Nike swoosh onto the side of a pair of Adidas boots and these are actually in the, the football museum in Manchester and so it's got the he's got one boot with a side with the Adidas uh, with a Nike thing sewn on it mm-hmm. and on the sole it's an Adidas boot that's an absolute so hey, Billy McNeil trendsetters once again eh? trendsetters Absolutely, and trailblazers, mate. And the thing is that the link, of course, back then was that Umbro were the UK distributors of Adidas back then, believe it or not. So that was where the tie-in was. That's why Jockstein's seen with the Adidas bag and, and from time to time you see Neely Mocking wearing an Adidas tracksuit is because they were getting though the, the Adidas gear from Umbro, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't rivals back then. They were working together. So I love all that kind of stuff. I love the fact that, you know, before we go to the game, we go to the chapel and the bus driver takes the wrong turn, which means that we actually turn up at the stadium one hour before kickoff. You know what I mean? So everything was a wee bit kind of like, no amateurish as such, but we were new to this game, Kev. You know, we were wearing Puma boots with Adidas stripes painted on them. And funnily enough, Jim Craig said later on in the game, with the sweat and kicking the ball and all that, he says, I could start seeing the Puma sign coming through. You know, the... The dubbing and the, and, the, and the polish had started rubbing off and he was getting a bit worried because it was being beamed across the world that Adidas wouldn't give him the 30 quid. But they got the money. They, they got, got, the, got money. the money. And let's, let's, be, let's be truthful. We've all watched the footage and if any eagle-eyed Adidas person would manage to spied that that was coming off, judging by the tele footage, then, aye, they were quite right to keep the 30 quid if they had managed to do that, Paul. That's Absolutely, but I love all that. It's part of the nostalgia. It's part of the the fairy tale, I guess. Uh, this team, uh, a loving Scotsman, famously born within a thirty mile radius of Celtic Park, going over there and beating at the time the the richest club in the world. Now, Inter Milan had spent over a quarter mil, a million pounds on one player at this stage, Kev. So that I, I know that the the difference is is massive. It's a huge uh, gap now in terms of financial disparity between clubs from Scotland and elsewhere but there was a huge disparity back then I mean Inter Milan thought nothing of spending 200-250 grand on a footballer when Celtic's record signing at that time would have been Willie Wallace at 30,000 quid it would have been yes it would have been it's just I mean first non-Latin American side to actually win the European Cup I still believe um, that we paved the way for the Dutch Revolution as well um, if we hadn't won that competition the way that we'd done it, then Man United, we paved the way for Man United and we paved the way for the Dutch teams mm-hmm. in the early 70s, beginning with Feyenoord. Um, unfortunately, that we lost that final. Uh, but then you've got the, the fantastic Ajax side as well. I mean, we were a European superpower in the years following this, Paul. 
a right European superpower. We're not talking about fluky getting to one final in the space of nine years. You can correct me here, because this, this is your bag. You wrote a book about the follow-up mm. to Lisbon. You, you wrote the Quality Street Gang. And, I mean, what was that? Two finals, two two semi-finals, two, semis. two semis and a quarter-final as well. If you That's... want to extend it, if you want to extend it a wee bit, I always go by from 64 to 76, 12 seasons, nine seasons, we reached at least the quarterfinal of European competition. Not always the European Cup, mostly the European Cup, but of course we had some good cup winners' cup runs. Mm-hmm. Um, nine quarterfinals, at least, in 12 seasons. Kev, incredible. That obviously takes in the seasons where we have extended the run from quarter to semi to final, but nine times we made at least the quarterfinal in 12 seasons. That is a European superpower. And I think when you look back as a Celtic fan, the one season that looks like the one that got away was 1970. And I wrote extensively about that because by that time, the Quality Street kids had started breaching the first team. And of course, two of them played in the final. Uh, Davey Hay started, George Conley came on as a sub. Um, and I, I do look at, I look back on, on that, that era and I look back on 1967 and I look at some of the narrative that we have had to suffer this year about the importance of Celtic's win. Um, And some people would love that to be diminished as time goes on, Kevin. That's clear this season more than ever. And I think it should always be celebrated. I think the club, it doesn't matter if it's 55, 56, 58, whatever the number is, it should always be celebrated by the club. We need to make a big deal of this every single year. Um, And that's to celebrate... The guys that are still with us, the legends that are still with us, the families of those who have passed on, uh, most recently Bertie Old, right? Uh, But also to remind everybody involved with this football club exactly what it is we achieved and what can be achieved, um, you know, with the right structure, the right belief, and also done by playing fast entertainment, entertaining football, right? And I I think that is what we now call the Celtic way. I truly believe, and as I says in that poem, I really truly believe that the modern day Celtic was born the moment that final whistle went in Lisbon, mm-hmm. that we became something else. And we, before that, we, I think we actually became, from a social point of view, I think we became a, 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 an inclusive club at that point, where, where before all the bigoted lines were maybe stop people supporting Celtic. As soon as the 11 Scotsman won that European Cup, Celtic became a real all-inclusive club. And where people before maybe didn't want to support Celtic became became Celtic fans from that point. And that's one thing Postacoglu says a couple of weeks ago. I didn't need to look anywhere else. I just need to look in the trophy room to see what a Scottish club can actually achieve. And and he is spot on. And as you write, I, I reckon Lisbon like should shape everything our club does. We should always have that in that mind that we can achieve that. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. and, and it's sometimes I think that it's actually forgotten. And the nonsense, the utter nonsense that we've had to actually put up with in the last couple of weeks to dim- diminish diminish these 11 guys' achievements. And, and other ones as well, the other ones on the periphery as well. Achievements has been, everybody should look at them, everybody should hang them their heads in shame who done it for a few cl- clicks, who done it for a, a few 
shillings here and there, eh? They should hang their heads in shame that they try to diminish these 11 guys' achievements. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I asked the question, people going about, uh, they went and they, they brought the big cup back and, you know, those involved called it the, the cup with the big ears, Kev. Do you know who the first person was on British soil to hold the European Cup? Who took it down the stairs of that, the steps of that plane? Um, no, I don't know. Neely Mocking. Was it Neely? It was Neely. Um, and I think it was done deliberately by by Jock Steen, uh, who allowed them to carry that down. And obviously knowing that there would be loads of press and uh, fans gathered at that stage. I think there should be a statue every single member of that team. Now, I don't know where they would go. Would they be at Celtic Park? Would they be in their hometowns like the Bobby Lennox one? There should be a statue every single one of them. And it's always left to the fans to organise these things. So, I mean, the Bobby Lennox statue uh, was uh, it was something, it was a project that was set up. And we spoke to the guys at the time, didn't we? And um, they managed over a period of years to raise the money. It was the same recently with the Willie Mealy statue fundraisers. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's something that has to be done because, you know, a statue like that for me is like a beacon of success. You could be in a, a wee mining village somewhere and then you look at that and think, these guys trailblazed European football. They achieved something. And it could be a reminder of a single day that you can achieve. Um, another thing I love about that run, we beat Dukla Prague, mate. And you know how oh. much I love the Dukla Prague away kit. Um, the Dukla Prague Stadium. Mm-hmm. When you see the footage for that stadium, it looks like Harry Potter should play Quidditch there rather than a football game should, should be happening. And Dukla Prague, aye, it's, 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 it's a magic. I mean, I love that the 50th anniversary caught fire again and it brung these guys back, in, back into the mind of the younger generation, whereas maybe they were like slipping out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's all down to the club as well. I mean, you, you look at the, how the club treated the Lisbon Lions, especially up until Fergus came along and says they should always be invited back into the club. Um, I mean, I, I, love, I love the way how, as you say, Celtic should always celebrate it because we're always going to get folk taking pot shots at us. And the last couple of weeks have proved that. It's yeah. jealousy, and it's utter pure jealousy. An and unchallenged we, narrative, Kev. It's and, nobody challenges it. And we should quite rightly rub our achievements in their faces. I think that all year round there should be something, and I've suggested a couple of things in the past, because it comes back to those who are still with us, uh, those legendary figures who are still with us, and their families, their widows, uh, those who have passed, and all the other Celtic players, those uh, former players of Celtic Football Club, and how we look after them. Somebody brought up before about Brian McLaren, I know that he's got a season to get Celtic Park, but it's not one of these uh, arrangements, Kev, where he turns up and gets in. I mean, he, he bought a season ticket. And that, that for me, is something that we need to sort out as a football club. We need to look after our ex-players. Um, you know, because when you go into these, you dip your toe into these eras, you know. And, and by the way, maybe not so much in the last 20 years, but before that, a lot of them after, after their careers are finished, Financially, it's it's a struggle. Um, some of them have struggled from mental health issues, alcohol issues, drug issues, and and I think addiction in terms of uh, gambling as well. And I think that the club need to do something all year round. And it could be something. The suggestion I made previously was the third jersey, the third jersey that we release every season. Kev, if you if you looked right back to the beginning of time when we started releasing third jerseys, how many times do we wear them? 
You know, it's absolutely a commercial vehicle to make more money. And and I, and I know it's written into the commercial deal with the kit supplier, and it has to be released. So every year, three new jerseys. They come out, they're very expensive. If you buy the full kit for the wee guy, times three, it's a lot of money, right? But I just think that the third, the third kit should be something that we can actually raise cash, tie it into the foundation, feed it into a former players association, and make sure that these guys, if, if they do need something, Kev, you know, later in life, that Celtic as a club can step in and help them. I'm maybe going to be out of order saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Celtic, there's people that work at Celtic do not hold the values of Brother Wolford. They do not hold the values of Celtic-minded people. And as you, what you're actually saying there is a simple idea which would like change the lives of ex-players of Celtic Football Club. Mm. Guys who have done something that we all dream about, that millions all over the world all dream about. I mean, come on, they didn't even, they, they won't even actually give a penny to St Mary's. That's, that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And they always look at somebody else to take care of their players. As, as you say, that there was a, a former players association. I don't know what actually happened to that, but I do know for a fact it had nothing to do with the club. It was absolutely separate. And that's shocking. There's other clubs. I read things all the time about like Everton, what they do for their former players and that yeah. as well. Eh? Mm-hmm. And it puts Celtic to utter shame. It could and be something simple. And, Peter Ladsford's brother, Bob, needed a hip replacement and it was right. Everton's former players that paid for it, made sure he went private, it wasn't on a waiting list, got it done, recuperation. The club should absolutely be embarrassed at certain aspects that they actually forget are part of the Celtic family mm-hmm. as they try to become this massive brand, modern football club brand. No, let's be different. Let's be Celtic. Let's be true to our values. Let's be true to the values that they that those Lisbon Lions that were actually saluting today actually brought to this football club. Yeah, you're right. And I think that it can be done, you know, if, if the club, uh, if there's a willingness by the club to do it, it can be done. And... Um, I totally agree with that. And there's a few wee, wee things that could be done all year round. You know, you're in the shop all the time, Kev. You know, you're, you go into the superstore um, and it could be something commercial that, you know, is, is viable for the club to, to put in place like that third jersey I've said. Uh, the numbered shorts, why the club don't sell the big numbered shorts with a big green number seven on them, number three, the, every number, you know, because that, that they're missing a trick there, aren't they? They didn't recreate the Shamrock jersey, so Axom decided to do it. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like things that would definitely work well in a Celtic shop and they don't do it. Why Why not just do that and then use the cash and run it through the foundation uh, the, 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 and help the, the, the ex-players? They would make some excuse about copyright and commercial deals and yada, yada, this and that. Celtic can do anything that they want. Celtic can do anything. that They could go to Adidas. They can go to any sponsor. You have a look when they go to European football. They put the, the foundation on the front of it. Uh, Magnus or uh, Daffabet, whoever's on the front of the top, I can't remember, uh, allow allow it to be changed. Celtic could could go to Adidas and do that, and Adidas would do it. Adidas are not interested. The, the Adidas, uh, they've got the first and the second kit. They will not have too much say in the third kit. Well, they will have much, they will have say in the third kit. But Celtic come to them with an idea, go that. By the way, this is going to sell. Adidas will be interested. Mm-hmm. Celtic can do anything that they absolutely want, but they just won't do it. 
interesting. Kev, I love when you get passionate about Celtic, I, I know, especially I, at that I just, level. I, I love my club and hate my club with equal measure <laughs> at certain times, eh? And uh, when things like this really, really annoy me. We could be a right family community club build on our values and we just seem loath to do it for some reason. But you can still be a success. You can yes. still be a commercial entity successfully with a big balance sheet, Kev. You can do both. That That's the argument here. Um, so a wee bit more focus on that. On the day, 55 years ago, that Celtic won the European Cup. And you know what? We'll talk about it next year and the year after, Kev. We'll continue to celebrate it uh, because it will not be diminished regardless of what narrative they come up with next. I've got to thank everybody for getting involved. It's been uh, great going old school with Kev Graham again. Um, Brilliant. Enjoyed yeah. it. Enjoyed it. You know, we should do it more often. Mick McMenemy comes in I'm going to bring this up Paul he was at Bendit like Bertie last night at Webster Theatres our own uh, Jim Orr who has written that play and he says it was great fun useful reminder how, how unsuccessful Celtic were until winning the Scottish Cup in 1965 under Big Jock I know Bendit like Bertie's on three nights uh, at Webster's then he's taking it around the country go and see it Go and see it. Uh, Jim is a very, very talented and funny guy. Yes, and and Bendit Like Berry is absolutely getting rave rave reviews. And by the way, we're going to have some giveaways. We've got some tickets for some of the dates. So we'll definitely be giving away tickets very, very soon so you can go and enjoy it regardless of where you are. It's gone all over the place. Interesting point on that, though. 65, we win the cup. That was the first trophy we won, Kev, since the 7-1 game, 1957. Mm-hmm. So that shows you, you know, just how far away we were from being a successful side. It, you know, the one of the players, in fact, two of the players who scored in the 1957 game were in the backroom team by the time we won the 65 Scottish Cup, Neely Mock and Willie Fernie, you know. And in fact, Sean Fallon, assistant manager, by the time we win another trophy. So yes, there we are. Um, Celtic then, Celtic now. And we will uh, be back tomorrow. Kev, you're going to be joining us tomorrow again because I'm away yes. down in Manchester. I'm in Manchester, me and JP, so there might be there might be music talk. Who knows? Oh, yes, I hope there is. <laughs> I'll tune in. Um, I'm away, my second home at the moment, Manchester. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. If you're watching on YouTube, get subscribing. Loads of content coming your way, loads of video features, uh, documentary features, prizes, all that kind of thing. Get involved in what we're doing. And all that's left for me to say, Kevin Graham, thanks again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report.
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.